Welcome to Small Nose Ruminations of a Misanthrope. This is Season 1, Episode 10, the final episode for the first season. My episode contains discussion and and I intended for Part 1. Fun Run. The other day I observed signage encouraging people to participate in something called a fun run. Peculiar. Part 2. Palm reading. Palm reading. It seems that there are people who can evaluate a person's character and aspects of their life by studying the palm of someone else's hand. Fascinated by this concept, I spent some time looking into the science behind this incredible skill set. As I delved deep into the subject, it would appear that there are telltale lines on your hand. These lines always occur where your skin bends as your hand moves, and depending on the length and shape of the aforementioned lines, a skilled palmistry can relate accurate information to you about your life. The lines include money line, headline, lifeline, fate line, heart line, just to name a few lines. It's great to know that if, for example, I am having heart problems, rather going to see a vascular surgeon who has spent the best part of a decade in medical school training to understand the nuances of the heart and the cardiovascular system, I can bypass this complicated world of healthcare and simply go to Gypsy Meg's palm reading room and for a few pieces of silver get an accurate diagnosis of my heart issues that I'm experiencing. Similarly so with my money line, rather than employ an experienced financial advisor who has a grasp on the current market trends, for a few more pieces of silver, Gypsy Meg will guide my financial freedom too. Part 3. Pedestrian Crossings Whilst driving recently, I was approaching a pedestrian crossing. In the region where I live, it is mandated by law that approaching a pedestrian crossing, if there are pedestrians waiting to cross, you must give way to the pedestrian. Well, roger me sideways if the other day, as I was approaching the aforementioned crossing, the awaiting pedestrian beckoned me to continue driving rather than stop. I hesitated for a moment, trying to process the actions of the pedestrian. Then, depressed the brake of my car, geared into neutral to avoid a stall and stopped at the crossing as is customary and stipulated by the law. Upon doing this, the pedestrian shrugged at me and crossed as if to say, up to you mate, I was going to let you go. I was baffled as to why a complete stranger would invite me to break the law in such an egregious fashion. He paid no heed to the fellow pedestrians waiting on the other side, whose expectation was for me to bring my vehicle to a halt so that they could cross. Imagine, if you will, that I hadn't stopped and the pedestrians on the other side had continued their treacherous journey across the black and white lines of death under the assumption that I was going to stop and wait, only to be ploughed down by me. I could have got life in prison. That flippant, unlawful hand wave egging me on to break the law could have meant a very different Christmas for the aggrieved family and my life ruined by prison. Part 4. Glove Compartment I've never seen gloves in the glove compartment of a car. Tissues, yes. Logbook, yes. 
Hand sanitizer, yes. CDs, yes. Guns, yes. A packet of mints, yes. Gloves, no. It's a waste of fucking space. I appreciate that back in the day, gloves were a essential part of driving equipment, but we've come a long way since then, and the only people that wear gloves for driving are chauffeurs and murderers post-murder. Although the pre-murder gloves are probably different to the bloody gloves left at the scene, unless they were strangled. Anyway, with all the knowledge and technology we have, surely we could turn the obsolete glove compartment into a chilled drinks area where we could store a few bottles of wine and some glasses for those frustrating traffic jams. Part 5, Pedestrian Crossings Part 2 I want to address another issue I have with the terrifying state of humanity. I was out sober a few weeks back in town and had to cross a busy road. There was a pedestrian crossing, but it was automated, which meant in order to cross, you first have to depress a button to alert the system at the intersection that you need to cross. I was the only one waiting at this point. I awkwardly leant down and depressed the button with my shirt-covered elbow, not wanting to touch where other humans had touched. Upon waiting, other humans arrived at the same space as me with the same intention of crossing this busy road. Upon the arriving, the new arrivees also depressed the button. I was mystified. Did they think that I was just standing there and hadn't already performed that task? To add insult to injury, not only did they press the button, they pressed it rapidly multiple times, as though that would somehow expedite the automated process. I have witnessed similar behaviour in lifts. I've been ruminating recently over this matter and I really need as a therapy to get it off my chest on May the 16th 1984 the musical artist Prince Rogers Nelson or Prince as he liked to be known at that time released a song called When the Doves Cry where Prince makes the claim that this is what it sounds like when the doves cry now I'm guessing that if you were to take the time to speak to any ornithologist, they will tell you that doves don't actually cry. And more than that, they certainly don't make a sound. That said, it is a fact that doves do have tear ducts, but the ducts' function is to keep their eyes lubricated. Not as an initiate of an emotional response. Prince, by all accounts, was a deep thinker, and in my opinion, should have taken more care when curating his music to ensure that any propagated ornithological facts were properly researched before making such flippant, misleading and inaccurate remarks about the emotions of doves. I doubt we'll get a reaction or apology though. He's dead now. Okay, so we've got no reviews. So we'll look one email. Uh, it comes from Anita Curry. Anita says, Hello, Small Nose Podcast. I've just listened to episode five of Small Nose Ruminations of a Misanthrope, and I'm shocked that you had the gall to criticise Keanu Reeves. The Bill and Ted star has proven time and time again that he is kind and has integrity, and probably a far better human than you with your futile rantings on your shoddy podcast. Why don't you pick on someone else who is a proper asshole, like sword-wielding, phone-throwing, alcoholic wife-beating Mel Gibson, or date-rape finger-fucker Bill Cosby, or tax-dodging Wesley Slipes? Stop going for the low-hanging fruit and grow some balls, you spineless fucknut. By the way, I love your podcast. Keep it up. Best regards, Anita. 
Isn't that lovely? Eh? What a lovely note to finish on for the uh, last episode of the season. Thanks, Anita. Thanks, Anita. That's a lovely email. That's the sort of stuff we want. Okay, that's the end of season one of Small Nose Ruminations of a Misanthrope. The next season will be available when I'm good and fucking ready. <laughs>